Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. It is I, Allison, your host, flying solo this Saturday afternoon. I hope you're having a great weekend. We have so much to get to. Oh, my dang goodness. So much news borderline chaos, you guys. Uh, But before we get to all of that, we are, of course, in the recommendation section. So I just wanted to get to some recommendations. I wanted to read some of your messages. As always, you can email the show, uh, lighttreasonnews at gmail.com. Also, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Kilkenny. And always, always over at my Patreon, at the top of the month, I put up a post where I say you can send your questions into the show if you're a supporter of mine at any tier over at Patreon, and we will read them on the show. And whether they're recommendations, comments, questions, anything like that, all feedback is good feedback. You guys know the routine. You're so respectful, so constructive. Um, That's why I just say whatever you guys want to send in because it's always interesting. I always enjoy hearing from you. So first up is Raven from Toronto. uh, And Raven writes, I absolutely loved the amazing conspiracy theory episodes you and Charles did. They were my good news. Keep up the amazing content. Raven... I'm overwhelmed. Thank you. That's so sweet and great news. Actually, I have in my calendar right now in the old schedule that I'm going to record another bonus episode with Charles on Monday. So if you're not yet a supporter of mine over at Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, what the fuck are you doing? Go sign up now. $5 a month. You get all those bonus episodes. Come on. I mean, you can sign up at higher tiers. And guys, I have been brainstorming what I can do for the higher tiers because I'm sorry. If you're giving me $10, $50 a month, I got to give you something mm, a little extra, you know? Maybe we'll do tiered bonus episodes. I don't know. Is that crazy? What are the kids doing these days? Drugs? Should I just do Drugs? I'll do drugs, but not put it up on my Patreon. This is just for me, you guys. So Raven continues, book recommendation. Oh, shit. We're getting literate up in here. I recently read an amazing thriller by Karen Slaughter. Yes, that's her real name. Okay, I'm just going to say Slaughter, not an uncommon name, Raven. But okay, Karen Slaughter called Pretty Girls. I won't give too much away, but it's an amazing take on the missing girl genre, but with strong and varied women characters at the center. Is that legal? This is Allison asking that. Are we allowed to have strong and varied women characters in the year 2020 under a Trump administration? I don't think that's legal. It gave me sharp objects vibes. Ooh, Okay, Raven, now I'm intrigued because Sharp Objects was extremely my jam. Creepy and in the South and there are dangerous, sexy teenagers and they're roller skating. Okay, Sharp Objects, I'm in. I'm in. Okay. Show recommendation. Oh, Raven came with the recommendations. I love this. Canada's Drag Race. 
Finale just happened on Thursday and I'm dying. Oh, what happened, Raven? I don't know. But for those who haven't heard or watched it, it's everything you love about RuPaul's Drag Race, but so Canadian. The girls are still competitive and mean to each other, but apologize after. Oh, I love that. I like a polite bitch, you know, because I'm a polite bitch. I will offend you and then be like, I'm sorry. Are you mad at me? Because you can't be mad at me. I, I can't sleep at night if you're mad at me. Staying safe and causing a little trouble, Raven. Raven, that was so good. Perfect. A, a clinical on how to send recommendations. Thank you so much. I also have a recommendation from Anna. Call the Midwife on Netflix. Have you ever been watching a medical drama like House MD and found yourself saying, I wish this was a female lead period piece with wacky nuns? Anna, literally all the time. Well, boy, do I have the show for you. Okay, so call the Midwife on Netflix. Anna, great recommendation. Brian writes in, I've recommended this YouTube channel to Allison before, so I'm directing this at the other patrons. Brian, I love that you just went over my head to the people because clearly I didn't listen to you the first time. No offense. Sometimes, you know, you get busy, you get overwhelmed, you can't watch every recommendation people send you. Brian, you're great. Speaking of Golden Girls, there's a wonderful YouTuber by the name of Pushing Up Roses, who, among other things, covers episodes of the Golden Girls. She's also covered Murder, She Wrote, Goosebumps, Are You Afraid of the Dark, and recently did a very cool in-depth video about 90s teen show classic Clarissa Explains It All. Oh, man, that list just made me very nostalgic, Brian. And if you dig deep into her archives, you can also find her old video game, her old video game reviews, many of which are still great years later, even after she shifted her focus towards vintage television. Hey, I'm old enough to remember a lot of these shows, too. I can get away with calling them vintage. And then Brian wrote a little smiley face. Also, follow her on Twitter. She occasionally posts pictures of her parrot, Needles. I, I have to stop recording. Guys, that is such a good name for a parrot. Needles? I'm going to follow Needles. I'm not going to listen to anything else Brian said. I'm just going to go directly follow Needles. Guys, thank you so much for those recommendations. They are stellar. You all get gold medals. A++. As always, if you are a supporter of, my, of mine, patreon.com slash Kilkenny. Run, do not walk, run over to that post and leave your recommendations, questions, comments, all of that stuff. I love hearing from you guys, whatever you're up to. I mentioned this last week on the show, but I personally count good news as anything good that's happening to you guys, whether that's something you're proud of, something, yeah, just randomly good that happened, all that good stuff. If you're ever like, man, I wish I could share this good news with someone, I'm someone, share it with me. I get very happy when I know that good things are happening to you guys. I don't know. Call me corny. Is it corny? It's corny. So I have so many recommendations, you guys. There's not enough hours in the day. Like all Americans, I am a shut-in right now. So my job basically is to consume content. I am one of the characters on Wally. e um, So... I have been watching a lot of television and film, 
And I am reading, okay, a book. So everybody back off my shit. I uh, am reading another Evelyn Waugh book right now that I'm not going to get into just because it's, it's not some of the most interesting content I'm consuming right now. But I just want everybody to know that I still can read. So um, thank you for thoughts and prayers. So guys, I did it. I watched Selling Sunset. You're all right. It's the greatest show ever made. And I knew I was going to enjoy it because it's extremely my shit. It's trash reality television injected into my veins. It is great. And I will say the twist is uh, big. I mean, I guess it's not even a twist. Well, it is a twist. But the big thing that happens that everybody talks about that I won't get into here because it's a huge spoiler. Although at this point, like if you manage to avoid the news... God, good on you, because it was literally everywhere. Uh, I, I was blown away. I can't believe as, as much happened on camera as happened on camera. I did feel very bad for the person it involved. And it, it's a lot, you guys. Something huge happens <laughs> in Selling Sunset. So, uh, yeah, it's it's golden reality television. It's just the worst people in the world um, being evil. And you get to watch what's not to love, right? So it is 100% late stage capitalism. We're all fucked. We're all so tremendously fucked. What a joy to watch on television, though. So that is great. I also... And somebody tweeted me about this a while ago, and I'm so sorry, I forget who. I had recommended Man in the High Castle, and then I never spoke about it again on this show. And someone was like, did you finish Man in the High Castle? And truly reminded me, A, that it was a show, B, that I used to like the show, and C, I could finish the show because the last season was up on Amazon. So I ran over to Amazon, and I finished Man in the High Castle it's great. What can I say? It's a great fucking series, hugely ambitious, so well executed, so well acted. Um, I can't believe it was a show <laughs> just because like the scale of it is enormous. Even though they got those sweet, sweet Amazon dollars, it's still like, damn, this is an impressive show. And I like the way it finished. I don't know. I, th- I thought it was very satisfying. I recommend Man in the High Castle as a series and now you can watch the whole fucking thing. The whole thing's up and done. And you don't have to wait forever for a new season like we plebes had to. So go watch that. I mean, sadly, it's hugely relevant right now. And yeah, if you if you want to go watch people um, bring it to uh, some Nazis and and uh, defeat Nazis. <laughs> yeah, what can I say? Go watch Man in the High Castle. So, believe it or not, you guys, I watched The Last Dance on Netflix. And I know that might seem weird, even though it should not, because I don't know if you guys know this. Your girl, me, Allison, used to play basketball and also grew up in a suburb outside of Chicago. I grew up in Naperville. I was born in New Jersey. We moved to Naperville. I was there in Illinois through college. That's the timeline, okay? I know everybody was wondering. 
Um, but because I was in a suburb of Chicago, uh, you know, and I was there in the 90s, you know, we were a Bulls family. We watched Bulls all the time. So uh, 90s Bulls was, you know, they were the dynasty. Like everybody was obsessed with them. So watching The Last Dance on Netflix, oh boy, did it make me nostalgic. It it brings you right back to the, the time and place and it's fascinating. So interesting. Even if you're not a fan of basketball, even if you're not a fan of the Bulls, even if you have no attachment to that time period and like the Bulls dynasty, it's so interesting. And like, I never had a full appreciation as a child watching the Bulls of all the like dynamics and and the team dynamics and the political bullshit that was behind happening behind the scenes I never realized how underpaid Scottie Pippen was that's a fucking crime he's one of the best players of all time and they just consistently undervalued him I yeah I I didn't know so much about Michael Jordan and then what was happening with him anyway it's fascinating go watch it um just as a historical documentary, it's very well done. And as a sports documentary, it's excellent. You want to learn about triangle strategy? You're gonna. You will. Watching The Last Dance on Netflix. Uh, so, guys, there were a couple things. Okay, you know how I bring you timely recommendations and then some? Times, you know what? I'm gonna give you one more timely recommendation before I get into some stuff that I should have watched a while ago and I just never got around to it because I'm a bad person and life is chaos. So, last timely recommendation it's on HBO Max right now. Class Action Park uh, is great, another documentary about <laughs> Action Park in New Jersey which was a theme park that was infamous because people constantly got hurt at Action Park. It was a water park. And if any UCB people are listening to this episode, you probably heard a lot about Action Park because Chris Gethard from UCB talked a lot about Action Park as he talked about all New Jersey things because he is a proud New Jersey native but that was the first time I ever heard about Action Park. I think Gethard was, uh, I truly, I saw so many fucking shows at UCB. I don't know what it was. He might have been a monologist at ASCAT. I don't know. But he, I heard him at the theater talk about Action Park. And I was like, shit, that's wild. Because I was born in Jersey. And I was there until I was like 13, I think. So I was too young to ever go to Action Park. And also, there's no fucking way on uh, the, the green earth that my parents ever would have let me go to Action Park. Um, but apparently for so many people who grew up in New Jersey, it was like a rite of passage to go to Action Park and almost die. And Class Action Park is a documentary about how this park got started, Sadly, the many deaths that happened at the park, like five people died at the park, I think, five or six, I forget. Um, and ultimately, uh, you know, the, the park being shut down. But it's fascinating because it's not only an, an indictment of this specific park, it's also an indictment of the era in which it was able to ferment. So like late 
80s. Uh, mm, I'll say late 70s into like mid 80s when everybody was sort of like, you know, uh, how you raise a child is you just unleash them into the wilderness and let them scatter. And that's parenting. And for people who grew up in the 80s, uh, that's why we were there. You know, we were latchkey kids. Nobody was watching us for the most part. You could do whatever the fuck you wanted. And it it created a very specific type of monster that now we're trying to deal with the ramifications of it. And that's why we're all in therapy. Right. So but it's fascinating because it's it's also about Wall Street, because that's where all the money for Action Park came from. And that era of, you know, being unregulated, being unsupervised and what happens when you're not overseeing things and what happens is fucking lord of the flies and that's action park so watch class action park it's great i also have to shout out the documentary makers because my concern watching it was that they would be too focused on like the lull factor where it's like oh this is hilarious it's like a bunch of drunk teenagers getting hurt (laughs) at a theme park ha 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 but they do take the deaths very very seriously and like interview the families and it's heartbreaking. And like, I was very happy that they treated like the deaths with the appropriate amount of gravitas. Cause it's like, yeah, fucking people died. We should take that seriously. It's really sad. And it's a crime that they died because of negligence. So I was nervous that like the, the theme park creator would be, you know, portrayed as this like lovable Willy Wonka character. And there are parts where he is, because I do think you have to show like why people love Gene so much and like why they were willing to follow him. But then ultimately they're like, this guy was a criminal (laughs) and he got people killed and we should not forget that or forgive that. So go check it out, guys. Uh, Okay, so I'm going to power through my three not timely recommendations because we have so much we got to get to. Um, so I finally saw Booksmart. That's right. I'm a bad person and I never saw Booksmart. Uh, and I feel bad about that because it is very good. It's it's funny. It's a good time. Is it life-changing? No. But like if you like Superbad, you'll probably like Booksmart. And it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Uh, the actors are great. It's funny. It's a good time. It's a good comedy. It's a, like a good light comedy. Go watch it. Um, I finally watched Mandalorian. That's right. I had never seen Mandalorian. I am starting to realize and accept that maybe Star Wars is not for me. And that's okay. And it's for other people. And it makes them really happy. And I'm happy for them. Because Mandalorian, for me, didn't pass the phone test. And the phone test, once again, is if I am able and want to stay off my phone when I'm watching something, and I could not stay off my phone during Mandalorian, the best parts, for me, you can probably say it with me, Baby Yoda. That's right. And I had already seen all of those scenes online because... um, you know, Baby Yoda was designed in a lab by scientists to go viral, and he immediately went viral, and every single scene in The Mandalorian was instantly on the internet. I saw all of them. So, you know, I, I was on my phone, and then I would hear Baby Yoda, and I'd look up, and I'd be like, Baby Yoda, and then go back on my phone, and that was me watching The Mandalorian. You know, there were moments. Uh, Amy Sedaris pops up. She's great. Loved her scenes. 
I think it's a crime that you have Pedro Pascal, one of the most beautiful men ever created, uh, again, in a lab by scientists to go viral. Um, I think it's a crime you have him in a costume where you can't see his face, but he has a very nice calming voice and I like hearing him talk. So he's great. Yeah, all the actors in it are wonderful. It's beautifully shot. There are really cool moments, standoffs, shootouts, straight out of a Western that are really well executed. I am aware that there's enough solid moments in The Mandalorian where I can't anti-wreck it. I just never fully got into it. And I was like, why can't I get into this? And I realized I just don't think I care about the universe enough Like, I can casually watch Star Wars. I can dip a toe into the Star Wars pool, but I'm never going to be a diehard. And that is okay. And it's also okay if you are a diehard and you fucking love The Mandalorian. I'm, I'm beyond pumped for you. That's awesome. I just wrote Mandalorian is okay because that's how I feel. Mandalorian is okay. And then finally... I believe Eric recommended this on the show because we were talking about uh, how great Andy Samberg is and we were talking about Palm Springs, how great Palm Springs is. And Eric was like, have you seen Popstar? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh my God, you've got to go see Popstar. So I did watch Popstar and it is so fucking funny you guys I love it so much I was just like watching it and I I was having such a good time watching it that I was like I need to watch more comedies because this movie is making me feel so good right now I just like I love you know Lonely Island so much I love their brand of humor sorry that's a gross term but I just love that it's genuinely funny without being mean and I know that's a mom review but I I think that some of the best comedy doesn't need to come from a place of toxicity and cruelty and meanness I think there can be really light loving comedy too and I think Andy Samberg is one of our best examples of that Um, And believe me, I know that I'm lavishing praise on like a white male comedian in 2020. And it's like, is it legally? Is that legal? Are we legally allowed to do that anymore? I'm breaking the law on Light Trees and News and I'm doing it. Okay. White male comedian Andy Samberg has my stamp of approval. Pop star is great. Every single famous person in existence is in the movie. So if you're a fan of like celeb cameos, oh my God, strap in. The music is genuinely good, so funny, and the storyline's great. And I think it, guys, I think it's almost a perfect comedy because usually comedies, the third act is bad because by then we've sort of shot our wad. We know the game. We played the game to death and now we just have to resolve, 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 resolve. And it gets very boring Almost all comedies are too long. I think you could have a near-perfect comedy done in an hour, but they all have to be in an an hour and a half, and that last half hour is when we're resolving, and it is painful sometimes. Popstar doesn't have it. Uh, It's so good. It's so good. So if you can go watch it and you're just like, listen, shit is heavy right now. I just need something dumb to watch and laugh about. Oh, baby. Andy Samberg does dumb and funny so well. So go check it out. I guys, 
I also was going to talk about the VMAs. Does anyone care? Did anyone watch it? I mean, truly, who cares? But I, I guess I just have like a general question that I wanted to float into the ether in case any like industry folk are listening to the show. Um, you know, obviously like Gaga, uh, Ariana Grande, good on you girls doing your thing and your masks, all the respect. I'm sure it was a fucking weird experience. They were doing their things. They're professionals. Um, good for them. My question is, I don't understand how the nomination process works for any award show, but especially the VMAs. Why was WAP not nominated for anything? Did it just come out too late? That's what I was assuming, where I was just like, oh, I guess it did just come out and maybe it didn't qualify. Maybe it'll qualify for the next VMAs. But like that is literally what everybody is talking about. And to not see it represented at the VMAs felt very weird. (laughs) I mean... It felt very weird for a million reasons. I should also mention I didn't watch the VMAs, but like watching people recap it, I was just like, this is weird because we're in a pandemic and like Lady Gaga is doing costume changes with her masks. So that's weird. But then WAP, which is like the cultural pop culture thing that everybody's talking about, is not on the VMAs, which is supposed to be this like representation of the greatest pop culture moments of the past year. So it felt like of the moment, but also not of the moment at all in that respect. So if anybody knows like why that happened, am I right? Is it just like a timing thing or is it just like racism? (laughs) Because usually the VMAs aren't as bad as say like the Grammys about that stuff, you know? Um, But I don't know that that is truly my only VMA thought. I was just like, why is WAP not represented? All I wanted, all I want is to see Cardi and Megan perform WAP. I don't want to watch this other stuff. And I love Chromatica. Don't get me wrong. Don't come for me. It's good. Okay. But I want to see WAP. That's so much to ask. I'm sad. All right, guys. Speaking of sad, on that note, here's your bad news. I talk too much in the recommendation section. Uh, Now we're running late. Fuck me. Um, It's even, you feel even more psychotic when I can't blame like running over on time on like a co-host. It's just like, no, because you didn't shut the fuck up, bitch. That's why you're running behind schedule because you were talking to no one. And that makes you feel like insane. Anyways, guys, I just want us all to be like mentally on the same page during this episode. So you like know where I'm at. Okay. So first bad news story, as is always the case, it feels like these days and not just these days, always in the United States, another police killing. Uh, So this time we're in Rochester, New York and Daniel Prude uh, was a black man who The police were called on him uh, because on March 30th, uh, or I'm sorry, that's when he died, a week before that, so that's the 23rd, the police were called because allegedly he had, he was under the influence of PCP, 
and he was having a psychotic episode. Um, but it was later revealed that he seemed lucid at times. Um, and then he would have these moments where he asked for money or a gun. So he was like fading in and out of uh, coherence. So what happens is the police put a hood over his head and it was later determined by the coroner's report that he had um, asphyxiated, basically. And the only way his family was really able to figure out what happened was they asked for body cam footage. And they had to put a public records request in. Um, and they finally got the body cam footage and it showed... Uh, Prude surrounded by police officers, naked, handcuffed, and held face down in the street, wearing a hood over his head. And at that point, his family was like, what the fuck happened here? Because the cop's whole line had been, oh, he had a drug overdose. He took PCP, his heart stopped, he died. But then this body cam footage comes out and it, it turns out, lo and behold, you guys, police officers lie sometimes and it's wild. Um, so it turns out these cops killed him. So uh, huge protests break out in Rochester. Uh, eventually these seven police officers involved in the murder of Daniel Prude were suspended because they were forced to suspend them. Let's not forget, before that, they were cleared of all wrongdoing. So now there are nightly protests in Rochester happening. There was just a big one uh, last night, I believe, where police officers were tear gassing protesters and shooting pepper balls at them. So sadly, again, uh, a story we've seen so many times before in the United States of another black person being killed by the police and um weirdly people getting upset about it and not crazy that that happens and people get mad about it fox news will tell you it's weird um so i guess we also need to talk about <laughs> i just really admire the optimism of some people on twitter who are like whenever there's a new trump scandal they're like aha <laughs> here it is Here's the thing that's finally going to bring them down. And it's like, mm, sweet baby, when are you going to realize no scandal's going to bring this man down because his base doesn't care that he's a disgrace? So the latest scandal involving Trump is that he repeatedly disparaged uh, service members. He called Americans who died in war losers and suckers and I guess this is surprising to you if maybe you weren't paying attention when he said the exact same thing about John McCain when John McCain was alive. Um, this is always how he's talked about service members. Not surprising. But there's like uh, enough salacious new details coming out right now. Like, for example, he canceled a visit to a, a cemetery in Paris in 2018 to go to the graves of soldiers because he blamed uh, at the time rain for the last minute 
decisions, saying that the helicopter couldn't fly and that the Secret Service wouldn't drive him there. None of that was true. He rejected the idea because he was afraid his hair would get disheveled in the rain. And he didn't think it was important to honor uh, the war dead. And this is according to four people, four sources. Um, And it's interesting because Fox News at like different periods have confirmed some of this stuff. But now they're sort of reporting this latest story is like, can you believe these unverified claims about the president? It's like, dude, you guys have reported some of this stuff. Like it's already out there and should be shocking to no one. Like we know this about Trump. We know he doesn't respect uh, service members, probably because he feels emasculated by them. I don't know. I'm not a therapist, but if I had to get into the psyche of a narcissist, I would guess he probably feels threatened by them you know like uh, he's he's this sort of um isolated rich boy and and you know probably a class thing I don't know probably all of it so the other sort of uh scandal that came out that again won't fucking matter you guys (laughs) none of this shit matters I recognize it's newsworthy because anything the president does is newsworthy but like truly, again, I guess I just have to admire the optimism of, of people on Twitter who are like, uh, here's the thing that's going to motivate Republicans to vote for a Democrat. It's like it will never happen. It will never, never, never in a million years. If they voted for Trump the first time, they're going to vote for Trump the second time because they're a cult because they're a cult because they're a cult. There are so much in this death cult that Herman Cain is dead because he was part of the death cult and knew he had a bunch of underlying conditions that made him particularly susceptible to COVID and went to that fucking stupid rally anyway, and now he's dead. So, other sort of, like, little mini scandal. Former White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders has a memoir coming out, um, and people who have seen it are like, you know, predictably it portrays, uh, Trump in like the best possible light. Um, so I'm wondering if she even understands like how fucked up this was, if she shared this anecdote, but according to the guardian Sanders memoir, speaking for myself, retells an incident in which Trump joked about Sanders, quote unquote, Taking one for the team after North Korean leader Kim Jong-un winked at her during a summit in Singapore in 2018. So Sanders writes that after this summit, she looked up to notice Kim's, quote unquote, to notice Kim staring at me. We made direct eye contact and Kim nodded and appeared to wink at me. I was stunned. I quickly looked down and continued taking notes. All I could think was, what just happened? Surely Kim Jong-un did not just mark me? Uh, so then Trump goes, Kim Jong-un hit on you. He did. He fucking hit on you. Sanders, a devout Christian who discussed her faith throughout her book, does not spell out the presidential expletive, but she does write that she told Trump that was not what she meant and said, sir, please stop. Kelly backed up the president and Trump joked, well, Sarah, that settles it. You're going to North Korea and taking one for the team. 
Your husband and kids will miss you, but you'll be a hero to your country. Trump, Kelly, uh, Trump and Kelly Sanders writes, howled with laughter as the car drove on. So funny. So funny, you guys, joking about selling your employee into sex slavery. Just like light office humor. All right, so I hesitate to talk about this next story just because there are so many details out there that we don't know. But I think we can talk about it, or I can talk about it. You can't say shit. Sorry. You just have to listen to me blather. I think there's enough we can talk about in a constructive way that will make it worthwhile. So this blew up on Twitter the other day, uh, this story about law enforcement agents killing Michael uh, Reinel while trying to arrest him. This is the 48-year-old white man who allegedly was a Antifa supporter. Antifa, however you want to say it. I've always said Antifa. Antifa. So immediately people started, oh, and this was in uh, Portland. So immediately all of this video starts emerging of uh, Reinhold, who had been interviewed before because the reason he was shot by law enforcement uh, agents is they were trying to arrest him because he allegedly had shot and killed a right-wing activist that was part of a pro-Trump caravan in Portland, Oregon. And I'm sure you guys saw a lot of video and photographs of this pro-Trump caravan. A lot of people in Portland felt um, these Trump supporters were invading their space, acting in a very threatening way. People of color were expressing that they were really, really afraid that they had been threatened. So according to Michael, what happened was Michael Reinel. He was notified by a friend that there was a a Trump supporter who was threatening him uh, with violence. And Michael ran to his friend's defense and he claims he acted in self-defense that he, I think his uh, claim was that this Trump supporter was threatening to stab them or attack them somehow. So he believed he acted in self-defense and shot and killed this guy. Okay. So that was the original story. Um, and this is why I hesitated to cover this story because there's a lot we don't know. Something happened where on Thursday, these law enforcement uh, agents showed up to arrest Michael and they're claiming, I believe he was in his car and it, it's a lot. This will sound familiar because we've been here so many times before with the cops. Something happened and he's dead now. But what I find interesting is how many right-wing killers are successfully arrested by the police and they are still alive. We don't have to think back that far to the last time that happened. Kyle Rittenhouse killed two protesters in Kenosha and left the fucking state. And then they arrested him and he's alive. But some reason, you guys, they just can't seem to keep left-wing activists alive when they're trying to arrest them. And that's interesting to me. 
Michael Reinhold is also interesting to me. So, and again, I don't want to put on a tin hat or anything. I'm just trying to collect the facts as they come out, as they rain down from the heavens upon me, and I'm trying to collect them, you guys. So 4chan, as 4chan is wont to do, um, started mining the social media profiles of Michael Reinhold, who, according to them, appears to have been completely apolitical until very recently. I'm not saying that's impossible, I do find it unusual that a 48-year-old white man is suddenly 100% Antifa. In his own words, I am 100% Antifa. Uh, Maybe that was his own personal journey. Maybe he was radicalized to the cause when he was middle-aged. That can happen. It's unusual, but it can happen. So uh, just putting that out as well, that it, it seems unusual that someone who is apolitical would go that far. But also, hey, we live in extraordinary times, and, and I'm sure a lot of people are being radicalized right now who maybe were fairly apolitical before this moment. And sometimes that's good, right? Like, wouldn't you welcome somebody, one of your friends who doesn't give a shit about anything, suddenly be like, so Black Lives Matter? Like, that would be cool sometimes. But... It's not shocking to me that we're going to see more of this, you guys, whether it's on the right or the left, we're going to see white men being white men, right? And being part of the problem. And I think we all need to, I'm talking to white people right now. I think we need to be aware that we can gentrify a protest movement too. If Michael Reinhold is Antifa, was Antifa, uh, this was not a great use of, uh, his own energy. <laughs> Obviously he's fucking dead. Um, I have a lot of complicated feelings about this because I think white men on the left also need to be aware that even if they think they're helping, ultimately they can be putting people of color in jeopardy even more. Um, and a protest movement isn't your space to work out your shit that you should maybe just go work out in therapy. This isn't to like make you feel like a man. This isn't to like give you purpose. This has nothing to do with like your own spiritual journey. You're supposed to be here in service of other people. (laughs) Now, having said that, If what Michael Reinhold says is true, and he was truly called upon to come serve and defend somebody, and he did that, then this becomes something else where it's like, it's sort of a moment for people on the left to really come to terms with how far we're willing to go to defend or to defeat fascists. Because we all like sort of laugh and joke about punching Nazis, right? Because punching Nazis is fucking hilarious. And you should always do it. You should always do it. Go watch the clip of Richard Spencer right now getting punched in the face. It will make you feel 110% better. But the reason we're all able to sort of laugh about that is that's like harmless violence, if that can even be a term. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, if you punch somebody in the face, you're not going to kill that person. Probably, right? Um, So it's sort of violence we can all get behind. But really, what we're talking about when we're talking about fascism and defeating fascists is precisely this story with Michael Reinhold. If his version of events is true, and a person of color said, called him up and said, I am being threatened by a fascist right now who I believe is going to kill me. 
And Michael Reinhold showed up and surveyed the scene and also believed that this Trump person was going to cause him physical violence. He shot and killed a fascist. Shouldn't we support that? And I know that's an uncomfortable question, and that's really a question that a lot of people on the left don't want to come to terms with. But that's what we're talking about when we're talking about punching Nazis. Nazis are not going to be defeated by punching them in the face. There's a reason World War II happened. That's really what this is about. And many, 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 many people on the left are not ready to have that conversation because that's really scary. That's a really scary conversation. Like, I, I feel, like, a little uneasy even saying it right now, but that's really what we're talking about. Um, and I don't know if people want to talk about that yet, um, which is why the Michael Reinhold thing is really interesting. In, in addition to uh, there's just so much we still don't know about him or the events surrounding uh, him killing the Trump supporter, but also um, what happened with the police. There's just like a lot we don't know right now. But I think there's a, a morality element to this that we really need to grapple with. How far are we willing to go to defeat fascists? Do you feel comfortable killing fascists? Would you kill a fascist to stop them from killing people of color? And, like, sadly, I do think that's where we're headed. And I think we're all going to have to figure out where our line is. Um, and I'm not claiming to be any kind of, like, morality expert. I don't know where the line is. At what point is a fascist such a threat that you are morally justified to kill them? Is it only if they're about to kill you? Is it, you know, where is that line? Um, but if you call yourself Antifa that that's a question that you have to answer for yourself. Um, and also people on the left need to, in general, like, where's your line? Where's the line where, like, okay, at that moment I fight? Um, and for me, like, at this point, it, it really changes on the daily where I'm like, I don't know, like, <laughs> we're in such a weird, like, moral gray period right now. And I think a lot of people are hoping, well, if I go to enough protests, maybe this whole thing will just resolve itself. We're still in that phase, you know. Um, guys, I felt like I talked at length. Uh, yeah, so these these Trump supporters keep invading Portland, downtown Portland, over the weekend. Um, they keep showing up. And... It's this pro-Trump caravan, drew hundreds of trucks full of right-wing supporters. It began in the suburbs with a route that intended to keep all the vehicles on the highway. Some of those demonstrators splintered off from the main group, drove into the city's downtown, where they harassed locals as well as counter-protesters of various affiliations. And as I said, they, I mean, just imagine, I mean, if you are a person of color, this will be not hard for you to imagine, but to my white listeners, imagine you're a person of color and you're sitting downtown and truckfuls of white people pull up and they're screaming at you, um, shooting paintballs, firing mace, throwing other shit at you, like terrifying which is why when Michael said that he had a friend who said, a person of color who was like, I, I was in, 
fearing for my life, I believe them. Because if you're surrounded by white people who are screaming at you, that's really fucking scary. Um, meanwhile, pre Trump the whole time is tweeting like law and order, which again, law and order for whom? And also, who does the law protect? Um, so also, I'm sure you guys saw this, uh, two Boogaloo Boys, self-described Boogaloo Boys, uh, have been arrested on charges of conspiring with Hamas. 2020 is so crazy. Okay. We're conspiring with Hamas, Michael Robert Solomon, who's 30, and Benjamin Ryan Teeter, 22, were presented before the court in Minneapolis on Friday to face the charges. Um, so... They believed that their anti-government, which, by the way, if you don't know who the Boogaloo Boys are, they're basically violent white separatists. They want another civil war. They want to establish uh, a, a white state. Um, and they are conspiring to overthrow the government. That's essentially who the Boogaloo Boys are. And you could just dive down an internet rabbit hole reading about them. But anyway, they believe their anti-U.S. government views align them with Hamas, which is a foreign terrorist organization, you know, established by the U.S. government as being a terrorist organization. And they wanted to carry out violence in Minnesota and elsewhere, and they wanted help doing so. So they allegedly tried to contact Hamas, and now they're in a lot of trouble. Now, having said that, I try to be very conscientious of this because I would do this if it happened to leftists. So I want to also say this, even though they happen to be on the right, the FBI loves entrapping people, and they especially love to entrap very stupid people who sometimes would have had no intention of going through with the things that they were actually... Um, claiming that they wanted to do like sometimes believe it or not white men like to talk a big game and they want to feel like big men and look cool in front of their friends and they're like yeah we're gonna th overthrow the u.s government and they'll even have a little meeting about it uh but ultimately they won't do anything but the fbi loves sending people to like prison for like 30 years because they claim that they wanted to do this so sometimes entrapment happens, you guys. Now, having said that, we also have this track record in the United States where when they do go through with it, it tends to be far-right white militias that go through with it. So I understand why the FBI is watching these far-right uh, terrorist groups because, you know, their track record is, uh, they got a little more follow-through in them, if you will. Um so, and I should say the Justice Department in general, not just the FBI, t entraps people all the time. So I just want to have that little disclaimer on it because um, entrapment happens. Guys, on that note, we have to move on. Here's your good news. <laughs> Right. So first up in good news, I must talk about Curtis Flowers, who's a black man from Mississippi, 
who was subjected to six murder trials that stretched over a period of 24 years and became the subject of a very popular true crime podcast called In the Dark, which devoted their entire season, season two, to the story of Curtis Flowers uh, because it became very clear to the creators of the podcast when they started looking into these trials uh, that there is a clear pattern of racism by the prosecutor who uh, kept fighting to keep people of color off of the juries. So six times Curtis Flowers was subjected to murder trials before mostly white juries. So this came to the attention of several civil rights groups, um, went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, um, and last year the Supreme Court ruled that the prosecutor, Doug Evans, had unconstitutionally kept black people from serving on the jury. So that was a huge moment. People got very excited And now the charges have finally, finally, finally been dropped against Curtis Flowers. He was facing the possibility of a seventh trial in the quadruple murder case from Mississippi. And by the way, that's another thing that's so sad about this case. Four people were killed. And instead of finding the person who was actually responsible for it, this fucking psychotic racist prosecutor just decided it was Curtis Flowers and despite overwhelming evidence that it was not him, kept pursuing it and kept trying to rig these trials so that a bunch of racist white people would, you know, send him to the electric chair. And thankfully, thankfully, Curtis Flowers uh, has now had the charges dropped against him. So congratulations to everybody who was working so hard to make that happen. Huge victory. Speaking of huge victories, we got to talk about Ed Markey. Holy shit, in Massachusetts, uh, if you were following that election, there was just a primary in Massachusetts where Ed Markey, who is a spry 74-year-old Senate incumbent (laughs) who got tons of grassroots support from young activists because he is... Essentially, uh, uh, he presented himself as the climate change candidate. He was willing to talk about climate change. He's willing to make commitments to the new Green Deal and uh, work to save the planet. But he was up against Joe Kennedy III from the Kennedy dynasty, who had the full backing and all the money of uh, the Democratic Party, He had the full support of Nancy Pelosi as she was getting her hair done. Nancy, we see you. Uh, She backed him. All of the the Democrats backed him. Uh, So despite all of that, despite Joe Kennedy III and all of the Kennedy dynasty money and all the Democratic Party support and all their money, Ed Markey fucking won Amazing. Uh, It sends a resounding message that climate change 
is important. We need to talk about it. And that young people are really serious about talking about it to the point where they're going to back a 74-year-old Senate incumbent, Ed Markey, not a likely sexy candidate for young people to get behind, but holy shit, they got behind him because people like AOC were like, yo, nobody will sign on to this Green New Deal, which by the way is a fucking resolution. It's not even a law. AOC couldn't even get Nancy Pelosi to nod at the issue of climate change. But Ed Markey was one of the people who was like, hell yeah, I'll sign that shit. Give it to me. So she was like, yeah, he might be a 75-year-old white dude from Massachusetts, but he's like down with the cause, so let's support him. And they did, and he fucking beat Joe Kennedy III, which is wild. Wild and very telling, and the Democratic Party should wake the fuck up and pay attention to what just happened in Massachusetts. Because, guys, whew. All right, we, we can't get negative. We got we to gotta stay positive. We're in the good news section. So I also wanted to shout out California lawmakers who earlier this week passed a bill that would ban residents and visitors to the state from making racist, false 911 calls. So now what needs to happen is Governor Gavin Newsom has to sign that shit, but then it becomes a law. Um... I'm a little still like question mark, question mark, question mark about how this will be enforced because I think much like um, when you're trying to indict a cop before a grand jury, usually what the cop says is I was in fear for my life and you can't indict him at that point. It's actually uh, a rule (laughs) where they're like, if the police officer says he was in fear for his life, you can't indict him. Uh, and you can't pr- disprove something like that, right? So my question is, if a racist white lady calls 911 on a black man and says, I was in fear for my life, how do you disprove that? Even if it's like very clear, like Central Park lady who called uh, 911 on a black bird watcher, like clearly she knew she wasn't in fear for her life. But, like, all she has to say is, I was in fear for my life. And how do you disprove that? So I'm a little, like, confused about how they're going to enforce it. But I do think it's good that they're recognizing uh, white people can weaponize the police against people of color that they just don't like. Because that is an acknowledgement that the police are fucking racist. (laughs) And, like, an arm of racism that can be used against people of color. So I also wanted to shout out, and this will be our last good news story, I wanted to shout out John Boyega, who is amazing and is just a fucking force. He got a lot of publicity this past week because he did this interview with GQ, I believe, British GQ, where he just drags Star Wars and Disney and particularly uh, draws attention to I should say he doesn't just make it about himself he talks about uh, Kelly Tran Uh, he talks about the racism in like the fandom but also the franchise and finally addressed something that a lot of people have felt a way about for a while which is the way his character was handled in the 
reboot of Star Wars because originally a lot of people were very excited that like a black man was getting to play a part in this franchise because I don't know if you've noticed this, but Star Wars tends to be very white. So the introduction of Finn, um, a black stormtrooper, no less, uh, was really interesting and very cool. And, you know, Oscar Isaac was also in the franchise and it was like, oh, wow, this franchise is becoming more diverse. That's good. Um, and of course, immediately a racist backlash <laughs> against it because racists are bored, famously bored. Um, and John Boyega got a lot of shit. And then the further the reboot went, it became very clear that Finn wasn't going to get as interesting of a character arc as, say, uh, Daisy Ridley's character or Adam Driver's character. And um, he was really kicked to the sidelines and a lot of people were very very upset about this so he finally like addressed all of this in the interview and at one point he said um like you guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley you knew what to do with Adam Driver you knew what to do with these other people but then it came to Kelly Marie Tran when it came to John Boyega you know fuck all so what do you want me to say what they want you to say is, I enjoyed being a part of it. It was a great experience. Nah, nah, nah. I'll take that deal when it's a great experience. They gave all the nuance to Adam Driver, all the nuance to Daisy Ridley. Let's be honest. Daisy knows this. Adam knows this. Everybody knows. I'm not exposing anything. And that's really like the heart of the matter, <laughs> where it's like everybody fucking sees what's happening. So just be honest about it. And usually people won't say anything. Like, I don't know if Daisy Ridley said anything, but I haven't heard Adam Driver say anything. And usually they won't say anything publicly because they get that Disney money. And if you speak out against the franchise, you don't get the Disney money. Sad face. Which makes it all the more impressive that John Boyega's like, I'm going to say shit because he's jeopardizing that paycheck. And like, he's out there. He's at the BLM protests. Like, he is truly putting his money where his mouth is you know and he's risking a lot like I I know he's still booking right now everything appears to be going well but he's risking a lot by being this outspoken and it's very brave and he's dope so I just wanted to shout out John Boyega go read the full interview it's awesome guys on that note thank you so much for listening to me talk for a dang hour please go follow light treason Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We got a bunch of new followers on Instagram. Thank you. Uh, but do go follow us over there. Share the post. Tag people in the post. Be like, yo, do you want to listen to a new podcast? This one's cool to your friends. When your friend's like, I'm going on a long road trip, uh, tell them listen light trees and news. Come on. Uh, or if you are looking to, for ways to support the show, and you already financially support the show because you went to lighttreason.news and smashed that donate button, or you went to patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny and you signed up over there at five or ten dollars a month. You're like, Allison, I already financially support you, but I want to support you a little bit more. You can go to iTunes and give us a good rating. That also helps um, and is so appreciated. And guys, yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. And while you're at it, stay inside and cause a little trouble. 